They may look like ordinary kids. Give it here, howdy do. Just trying to live ordinary lives. Freak. Perhaps you'd like to finish Newton's equation? But what makes them different? We've been tracking an object that seems to be moving towards our planet. I'm reactivating the Zenith program. We'll make them heroes. Do you have any idea what you're doing here or why? Uh, what, what's up, man? Talk to me. I told you I had an intro. Oh, and then and then and that was your intro was was just a groan. <laughs> I, that's 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 really that's cool, man. That's cool. I like that. I like that coming on. We we did our last episode about California Dreamin', which I feel like went to a pretty negative place, and then we didn't come back for a couple weeks. <laughs> Almost, perhaps giving the impression to our fans uh, that that we just uh, gave up the game entirely, and now we're starting yeah, right. out. Fresh film, fresh attitudes, and that's with how we start, is with a growl. <laughs> I, I I had to press pause on recording for two weeks due to a personal emergency, a, a car accident in the family. And yeah. um, then uh, an event that I was putting on required way too much of my attention. So I just say that to say that time has been precious lately. And when mm-hmm. I finally got around <laughs> to going, hey, it's time to record and watch a movie for the podcast, I felt it. I felt I felt what I could have been spending my time doing otherwise than watching the movie Zoom. Zoom, Zoom. Yeah. I would rather have had a one hour and 23 minute Zoom meeting than watch this movie. I just want to be clear where I'm coming at this episode because if, I, if I'm if i honest at the beginning, maybe I can find something to salvage and turn myself around. Whereas California Dreaming, we started strong, ended negative. I'm going to start negative and hopefully very quickly turn positive. I, I mean, look, I, I am, I'm going to say that, that Zoom, while certainly not a good film, it has been, I think, fruitful for it's been having watched it now i can reflect on it and think about the strange and bewildering things that it showed me and the there's images in this movie that will live on in my mind forever whether that's a good thing or not uh i'm i can't i can't get mad at zoom i I have so many questions about zoom actually no actually no all all of my every single one of my notes is a question I guess I, I actually I can get kind of mad at Zoom. So okay, uh, but but I'm not. I can't get as mad at Zoom as I could get about California Dreamin'. Um, oh, we're we're in opposite camps here. I at least California Dreaming attempted to make a movie. You know, no, no, like no, no, I don't no, think they had no, the talent no. to get there. This at least had the talent to make a movie, and just ended up with a series of vignettes that. Had no emotional stakes, no no story. It was incomprehensible. I mean, there's uh, no no Landon. There is an abundance of story. If any, if this movie has a problem, it's maybe that there is way too much story, way too complex, and I'll say it dark of a backstory for a movie. We've watched the same. Okay, there are okay. I can't wait to get into that. Uh, but but before we do, oh, man, that sounds like a ripe ripe old category to dig into. We're gonna we're gonna go back to our our dead simple uh, <laughs> podcast and really digging into what this movie could have been. I think. Yes, um, I think so too. Great. Okay. Well, we are watching the movie Zoom from two thousand six. Six? Did I say sticks? 
<laughs> yeah, you said you said two thousand sticks, which means that's either I don't know. That's either you've eaten two thousand popsicles and that's what's left over, or it's uh, I don't know, or or it's when the band Sticks did a reunion tour in the year two thousand, I suppose. Um, two thousand six, starring Tim Allen, Courtney Cox, yep. Yep. Chevy Chase, yep, and others. We'll get there. Yep. Uh, I'll get to the cast and crew in just a minute, but Truman, why don't you tell people if they've forgotten that Tim Allen starred in a superhero flick? Yeah, what it's about? I mean, there's no way that people forgot about the film Zoom starring Tim Allen. Uh, but in case you are one of those few who's forgotten, let me tell you what it's about. Thirty years ago, a group of superheroes known as Team Zenith, led by the Shepherd Brothers Jack, aka Zoom, and Connor, aka Concussion, worked with the U.S. government to protect the world from evil. When the government used gamma-13 radiation to try and enhance the team's powers, it made Connor turn evil and kill all of his teammates except for Jack, before disappearing into an interdimensional vortex. In the present day of 2006, the government learns that Concussion will return to Earth in just a few days and pulls Zoom, played by Tim Allen, out of hiding to train a new team of young hmm. superheroes to defend the Earth with help from nerdy, bespectacled psychologist Marsha Holloway, played by Courtney Cox. Okay, I got a problem with your synopsis, sir. That, that three quarters of it is just setting up the elaborate backstory of the movie Zoom? <laughs> uh, that three quarters of it is acknowledging a backstory which is spoken of in maybe three lines in this movie i mean it's kind of look i agree the you, your synopsis gives as much background for the movie as the movie gives i mean i it would have been i i agree it would have been better if i could have done it with the sort of um comic book style title treatment that the movie uh, the movie <laughs> uses i mean these are the, i i think that the movie refers to this backstory a few different times and it's just sort of like it comes out of nowhere, and you're remind and you're reminded, like, wait, did I miss something? What what is this? Why is all this talk about gamma thirteen radiation? What's this? Oh yeah, Tim Allen had a whole super team that got murdered, and we just don't talk about them before. I all right, what what what? Okay, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself again. I'm 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 getting very eager. You're, getting you're zooming eager. ahead. Yeah, you're 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 moving really really super fast because you saw a child in danger and let's, that made you run fast again. Let's talk about the creative team and then I I got some questions for you and this movie. Okay. Um, okay. This movie is directed by Mr. Peter Hewitt. Peter mm -hmm. Hewitt. Hewitt. Yes. Uh, a man who has um some things to answer for in his life. One of them like being the movie. Zoom. Uh, one of them being the movie Tom and Huck, which we've also watched. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, so we must have talked about him before. Um, uh, and also the movie Garfield. Ah, yes, yes. But, I mean, a Bill Murray movie, that's pretty big. Uh, a notorious Bill Murray movie who said he signed on because he thought Ethan Cohen, uh, Ethan Cohen was Ethan Cohen uh, when Wait, he read the screenplay. I, and I feel like I feel like we have definitely maybe we talked about this before when we talked about Tom and okay. Huck, but uh, still let's let's just agree that the Ethan Cohen Garfield movie would be amazing, and I would be first Agreed. in line no, to watch that. No contest there. The, the uh, lasagna the sucker proxy, <laughs> Peter Hewitt, uh, plays a big part in my childhood for um, uh, directing Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the second in the trilogy of uh, Mr. Ted Theodore Logan and. William Bill Preston Esquire. Um, 
You, you had to get their Christ. full names. People wouldn't know otherwise. <laughs> even, otherwise even though you known said as Billy. wild stallions. <laughs> <laughs> um, See, this is already better energy than California Dreaming. <laughs> I will give it this. Zoom is more colorful. It is more it is more colorful. There is so much more there is so much more happening. The, the Zoom delivers on what it claims to be about. Like the, there is zooming in Zoom, not the kind of zooming that we we're all used to after the past few years, but like a man zooms in this in this movie. Oh, does he though? Um yeah, he literally does. Having, were you not paying attention? Having a question. Uh he has a a film here that I don't think we talked about last time. Uh, I want, I just, I'm curious what you think this movie is. Um, I'm just going to give you the title and you, you, you give me, you give me a, a, a guest synopsis of it. Ready? Yeah. 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 Go for okay. it. Mostly ghostly colon. Have you met my <laughs> ghoul friend? Uh, I think that that is a movie about a kid who has a crush on a girl and then somehow winds up going to a haunted house and his friends become ghosts. And this is actually fairly close to what the movie's about because I saw that on his uh, oh, Wikipedia page okay. and was like, I need to, I need to see what what the deal, uh, what the deal is here. Doesn't it have Bella Thorne in it or something like that? Uh, I think so. Yes, uh, starring Bella Thorne. Um, I mean, it, it's, it seems it's like an R.L. Stein movie it, it, story. It, it seems more like a movie written by the Crypt Keeper uh, from Tales from the Crypt. I mean, this is completely Which his. Peter Hewitt did direct an episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt. I, that's great that they're still collaborating all these years later. <laughs> all right. More specifically, I want to talk about the writers here. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got three, and I think they oh, probably boy. did not work together. Yes. <laughs> we've got. Jason Lefko, um, who is from an animation department, which is very interesting to me. He's mostly a storyboard artist, uh, mm-hmm. works in a lot of art departments, and he has two writing credits. One is Home on the Range, the uh, animated movie um, starring the voice of Roseanne Barr. Yeah, um, yep, yep. wonderful. And he wrote the novel, I see, for Zoom, uh, which I forgot that Zoom is based on a children's uh, or like. I don't know if it's children's or young adult novel. Um, it's it's a Zoom's young adult. It's a it is a young adult novel. I looked it up online. I found some screen grabs from it, and I read about. Okay. The, 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 to say that it is based on Zoom, uh, or that that Zoom is based on this book, is being generous. You can say that this movie okay. that one of the characters has the same name, and Zoom is in the title. Otherwise, this seems to be very far afield from what the Zoom book is about. Okay, lock that interesting tidbit into place as we continue yes. uh, getting down on these writers. And by mm. that, I mean excuse congratulations. me. <laughs> going, I'm going down on every writer. Uh, it's uh, part of the new contract with the studios for the. I, I, I mean, wow. I don't know if that's a win for the writers <laughs> or a loss for the writers. Really, I guess <laughs> not to take anything away from you. Um, okay, we have uh, David Berenbaum who. It has tons of writing, uh, and by tons I mean not tons, but uh, wait, big then what ones. do you mean <laughs> by tons? I mean, <laughs> I mean not tons. He, he has he doesn't have he has seven writing credits, but they're big ones. Mm-hmm. So he started with Elf in ah, two thousand three, yeah. Then went on to the Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy in also two thousand three. Then uh, I think that started like he started strong with Elf, and then like just bomb, 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 bomb with Haunted Mansion, then Zoom. Yeah. Then the yeah. Spiderwick Chronicles, which nobody remembers. Um, I, 
I I kind of I kind of love the like Elf is so huge to this day that you kind of don't need anything else after that. You can say, "Hey, yeah. I wrote Elf," and and that still <laughs> opens doors for you. That's why he still has one upcoming uh, script in pre-production called Frosty the Snowman. Oh God, <laughs> let's give him another franchise to drive into the ground, folks. <laughs> um. So that's David Barenbaum. Uh, finally, and mo- most interestingly, I think, is Adam Rifkin. Mm. Uh, do, are you familiar with Adam Rifkin? The, the name the name is familiar to me, but that may be because I'm thinking of, like, Carl Rifkin or someone else with the last name Rifkin. It, buckle up, buddy. We're, we're going on a ride with Adam Rifkin here. Um, Woo! Or maybe not, depending of, on who he is. <laughs> one of his very first writing credits uh, is... The 1989 Adam Sandler starring movie Going Overboard. Granted, oh. he's uncredited for that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is uh, part of the like very low budget uh, crowd in the the late 80s, early 90s. He also does a movie called The Invisible Maniac, which is kind of like a softcore oh. horror crossover. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, excuse me, that's one of Stuart Wellington's favorite movies. I've heard him talk about that on the Flop House for years. Uh, then he does a very bizarre movie called The Dark Backward, um, starring Bill Paxton and Judd Nelson. Uh, mm. uh, I just want to read the synopsis of this, because it's a movie I have never heard of, and I'm shocked and upset that I haven't heard of it, but also shocked and upset by the description of it. Uh, yeah. The Dark Backward, a man pursues a stand-up comedy encouraged by his fellow garbage man. (laughs) Though his friend, who accompanies him on accordion, continues to tell him how great he is, he actually stinks. When the comedian grows a third arm out of his back, the friend uses this twist to get him signed up with a sleazy talent agent, and he begins to look like his career is on the move, even though his girlfriend has left him. (laughs) I mean, I... (laughs) I I mean, look, I'll I'll say this. I criticize movies for being too predictable. That is certainly not. I would never have guessed the third arm would be a it would be a plot point in that movie. Well, I'm going to I'm going to give you another twist here. Stars one James Caan. Oh, okay, okay. I I I mean, look, I Rob Lowe. I can believe a lot about uh, strange no, choices no, not that, that man not might that make. We did yeah, that uh, the ground. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna keep <laughs> digging it deeper into the ground. Uh, okay, I got to get back to Adam Rifkin. Uh, he does the chase with uh, uh, Christy Swanson and Charlie Sheen as Charlie Sheen's star is starting to rise into leading mm-hmm. man status in the uh, mid nineties. How'd um, that work out? I wonder. Well, <laughs> yeah. uh, then I don't know if you remember Mouse Hunt. With oh, Nathan Lane. I, I saw Mouse Hunt in theaters, thank you very much. I am oh, very okay. familiar with Mouse Hunt. They own a string factory, and then this <laughs> mouse is fucking up their house. <laughs> well, I saw his next one, which was Small Soldiers, the Joe uh, Dante movie. I also remember Small Soldiers, which I also saw in theaters. Uh, then I want to know what happens to him. Maybe you have something on his Wikipedia, but he does like two very small movies, uh, 98 and 2001, and then... Nothing until 2006 when Zoom comes out. I mean, I think I, I think what it's saying here on his Wikipedia page was that he went into hiding after the, the Gamma 13 radiation made all of his <laughs> other screenwriting partners go crazy. And uh, yeah, then he was pulled out of uh, hiding at, at a mechanic shop and forced to write Zoom, followed by oh, Homo man. erectus. Uh, I also have to mention he's also a director. 
mm-hmm. in his own right, and directed um, a few that we talked about, The Chase, uh, Invisible Maniac. Uh, he also directed The Dark Backwards. But he also directed uh, Detroit Rock City. Mm-hmm. A movie that I know about but have not seen. And I briefly crossed paths with him uh, when I first moved to L.A., because uh, he was friends and, and bounced around the emerging uh, independent horror scene with people like Adam Green and uh, a few others um, at the time who did Frozen and Hatchet and uh, a couple of those things. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it go, yeah. Uh, he – okay, I, I, I wanted to take the time to talk about him because he he's clearly bounces between children's films and, you know, kind of a, a – adult there uh mm-hmm. in horror yes. films yes. and i think he's the secret sauce to the weirdness of this script i i think i noticed on wikipedia a different sauce that i think may have oh. contributed to the weirdness of the script give uh, us the ingredients list okay so the ingredients list uh here is uh tim allen helped write the initial script saying it was very different in script form much darker than when it came out and what the studio and powers that be Uh decided to make it into a family movie it was a neat idea of what superheroes are really capable of doing so okay now uh, now let me let me throw my 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 pieces of the puzzle here ingredients okay. pieces we're all mixing me- metaphors uh, this, this is a mixing bowl I, I i hate it when i'm eating something and then there's puzzle pieces in it that is just <laughs> i that is one culinary technique that has never caught on for me what if it was a sugar cookie in the shape of a puzzle piece i mean in that case maybe it depends on how much frosting there is Oh, okay. Um, well, also, so wait, hang on. Oh, no, also, if there's actual physical puzzle pieces in the puzzle piece-shaped sugar cookie, I'm going to say bad. I don't want to eat a puzzle piece. <laughs> okay, all right. Here's what I think happened. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe, and I don't know. Again, I'm speculating, and, you know, that's neither here nor there. This is just for entertainment purposes. Uh, <laughs> great, I great. think Adam Covered. Rifkin probably had a dark superhero spec script yeah and that was hot at the time due to x-men there was a whole lawsuit at the time uh that marvel waged against this movie because it was too close to x-men um (laughs) this you know like i don't know if you heard the the myth about the movie the the script for hancock that was going around before will smith signed on to it i know i did not super super dark rated hard r movie uh, but then once uh, Will Smith got on board, it became, you know, we have to make this PG-13. Mm, um, mm. I think we're going, you know, where does this fall with Tim Allen? Like, he's had a few misses at this point we talked about uh, in the Santa Claus episode that he's kind of taken the Eddie Murphy route. And like, what if I leaned back into family territory? Yeah. So if Tim Allen gets the script and signs on, he could probably does these rewrites and he probably brings on uh, Peter, what was his name? Uh, or I'm sorry, David uh, Berenbaum yeah. to do uh, a rewrite. I bet the studio also had the uh, the rights to Jason Jason Lefko's Zoom Academy, and it just became this like we can try to 
attach this to an IP and take this other script and like just make a Frankenstein story out of all of these pieces and try to salvage some sort of hit out of it. Yeah, yeah, the, I, it, it's it is a tale as old as the last thirty years of the entertainment industry, probably. <laughs> where it's just, you know, we we let's let's mash one script into a different franchise, and if we throw enough writers at it, it will eventually. Um, be feature length, although certainly not good, and then and then go from there. <laughs> I, uh, see any Hellraiser movie after three? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I won't though. Uh, <laughs> I think that this it, this feels in some ways this feels less disjointed than other movies we've watched for the podcast that definitely you, feel like they were put together. Are you? I, I wholeheartedly disagree on that. I, I feel like, no, I feel like Crazy on the Outside, to me, felt a lot more like, okay, there was a script about a dude out of prison getting pulled into the world of video piracy, and then that got mashed together with a bunch of ideas Tim Allen had about a guy yeah. starting a small business. That felt... That, dis- that I can understand, yeah. And this movie, like, this movie is bad, uh, and there's a lot of uh, stuff in it that makes absolutely no sense and feels very scene-stitched together, but it more or less feels kind of all like the same movie, just with kind of, like, all of this very dark backstory that keeps getting referred to is like a, it's like, it is like the children's sequel to a, an R-rated movie, basically. (laughs) It's like, it's like on... It's like on it's the like as RoboCop. I, I think like didn't the last RoboCop wasn't it PG? I, I mean, well, they made a they made a RoboCop animated series that That's uh, right. show, that aired on Sunday mornings, just as as uh, Verhoeven intended, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it reminds me of on The Simpsons. At one point, they go to the comic book guy's shop, and he offers them a, a comic book that's like Little Watchmen in V for Vacation, <laughs> and it's like this feels kind of like that. You know, it's it's the it's the kitty version of the dark thing. Well, okay, there, there's more evidence that I want to pull out about what this movie might have been. Uh, a little bit later on, there's there's some weird evidence uh, that I want to uh, pull out once we get there. But um, I to, to kind of give you a rebuttal and just have both of us have our opening salvos so we know where we're starting from, I, I'll agree with you in terms of tone. It feels like the same movie throughout. But yes. in terms of story, like, there's literally nothing happening like if you don't pay attention to these opening credits which i didn't um (laughs) you don't understand anything that's happening it's just like the kids are arrive at the place and then they get trained and then oh yeah we forgot about this backstory suddenly it's the climax of the movie I, it is yes, yes. I I did pay attention to the opening credits. I guess just because I I take very because because my life isn't as busy as your life, and I have plentiful <laughs> time, so I could really sit with this and like scribble down notes about about everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it is it is funny that. This this movie does a similar thing that I've noticed also happened in the movie Anastasia, which I also am not a huge fan of, where, like, the opening to to Anastasia, there is, like, they cram so much into five minutes about how, like, oh, Rasputin is evil, and he died and went to hell and made a deal with the devil and came back and cursed the Romanovs, and this happened, and then everyone had to escape. <laughs> opening credits, and then the rest of the movie is kind of just, oh, we have to get to Paris or whatever. And similar with this movie, <laughs> there is all of this lore in three minutes, and then opening credits, and then it's kind of like, 
hey, want to have some hijinks training kids for 70 to 80 minutes? Because that's, you know, we got all that, that story shit out of the way. Now we can focus on mild hijinks. Which does, I mean, yeah, when you're, when you're having to pare so much down to make a children's film, it just, I don't know, maybe it, it just becomes product at that point. It's just like, what is flashy stuff we can have kids think is good because it's loud and colorful and, you know, fast, it moves by fast. It, yeah, and yeah. it just feels gross to me. I, I, I in a different way, uh, I, I struggled comparing this to Crazy on the Outside. I, I do think <sighs> Crazy on the Outside is a, its own thing. Uh, and if we separate that out of the conversation... This movie is by far the worst movie we've covered. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I This movie, look, this movie is, uh, I, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. This is a bad movie. This is really bad. This movie has palpable <laughs> contempt for its audience. Like, it feels like it was and characters. made. And, and characters, yes. But, like, like to, just to, to what you were saying about how, like, ah, just make it colorful and flashy, whatever. Like, it feels like it was made by... Rob Lowe's character in Wayne's World, who's like, kids know dick. Yes. They know they just like dumb shit. Yeah, <laughs> like it is. It is very much just like there. There are there are things in here where it's just like got it. Like got to put a fart joke in there. Kids like fart jokes. So right in the fart right. joke. Oh my god! There's a thirty second stretch of this movie that almost made me vomit. <laughs> and I I didn't want to text that to you because I know how sensitive you are to it. But it was. But you're gonna so tell me gross. that on the air. Yeah. Oh my god! It uh, and I guess we'll get there, but um, okay. So I I don't need oh god we're we're I I don't know that I have the constitution to go through this chronologically. <laughs> I mean I mean look let's, this is let's uh, pick this apart. Okay, we should we should st there's a lot of confusing stuff early on. I say we'll just go, but like look, folks, the 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 plot of this movie is real simple. I laid it out for you. He's got to train some kids to fight a dude who's going to come out of an interdimensional portal and All that's right. that. Let's let's start there. Let's go into the characters a little bit. Not yes. the the actors that play them though I'll mention them. Um basically this is you know this starts out in the way that any kind of team, you know, Blues Brothers-esque team coming together sort of movie. Yeah. Uh, you get their individual lives uh, before they end up uh, at the academy where they're to be trained. And yes. the people that we have are, I, I don't know how young she is, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, she's she's six. Yeah, she's six, uh, six years old, Cindy six Collins. Old. Yes, Cindy who is, Collins, who has yes. superhuman strength. Um, yes. We have Summer Jones, who mm -hmm. is telekinetic, but also empathetic. I think is would be the term you would apply to it in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense yeah. other people's feelings, not specific thoughts. Yeah, and it, not a whole lot gets done with that. Honestly, nope. not a not a lot really gets done with Summer Jones at all. Which is nope. Yep. Nope. She's kind of just there. She's played by Kate Mara, who would go on to another famous uh, superhero flop within. Uh, yeah, House of Cards. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. D different one. Different one. <laughs> different one. Different one. Um, and then we have Dylan West, uh, who is a, a kid, a slacker. I don't like his archetype. I can't even. He's like kind of a slacker, but kind of a genius, but kind of just he, un disinvested he, in things. Well, what if what if Goodwill Hunting could turn invisible? Basically, he's <laughs> I guess also, good at math, but also had kind of a chip on his shoulder. 
Um, as kind of I a guess, good, yeah. goodwill hunting, he has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, yeah, sure. yeah, just just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> Dylan West, I also want to point out now, he's yeah. played by Michael Cassidy, who was on a bunch of episodes of The O.C., and uh-huh. he he played uh, uh, Jimmy Olsen in the new Superman, Man of Steel, whatever, like the, the Zack Snyder one. His, it, he gets shot in the face in the first 10 minutes. I only bring all this up because... <laughs> Michael Cassidy grew up in Oregon, and I actually know him. Like, it's not like we're best oh. pals, but, like, I, when I moved to L.A., a family friend knew him and put us in touch. We met a bunch of times. I just want to oh. get, put this out there. Michael Cassidy is a wonderful man. He is so kind. He was so generous and helpful to me. He's given me notes on scripts and things like that. And I want to say, I think his performance in this, again, he doesn't have a lot to work with in the script. His performance is pretty good. I mean, he's playing kind of a slackery, moody teenager, which is never super fun. But yeah. I buy him in this more than uh, a lot of the other uh, characters. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that short of Chevy Chase and Tim Allen, yes, they're in the same movie together. Um, <laughs> I think the performers are actually pretty fine and, and serviceable yeah. and in some cases good. Yeah. Uh, I have no problem with Michael Cassidy or really any of the kids, even uh, Ryan Whitney playing six-year-old Cindy Collins. Like she's yeah. precocious and annoying, but that's how she was written and she's a six-year-old actress so you know yes. like there's nothing to complain about there um spencer breslin i don't know we'll get to him in a minute but i i, I look i saw that the the razzies or whatever gave some special award like the spencer breslin award for worst performance by a child in the feature role and these seeing that just made me feel very endeared to spencer breslin because that's a fucked up thing to like i like, listen he's like 14 yeah. years old and you're saying this shit about him like come on guys. i'm putting i'm putting my cap on backwards and flipping my chair around just to talk you for do that a, a second about the raspberries uh the, yeah yeah uh yeah the they're razzie, a great, great band yeah the ra- <laughs> you think of the cranberries oh um, shit you're right i should have let it linger go on <laughs> the razzies suck they are no, they, uh, they're bad uh, a misogynistic uh, well I, I i should be okay this is my personal opinion i think they it's easy to take low blows you know i yes. feel like even though we do it here on on grunt work from time to time uh i, I like to think we at least justify it and open up for conversation and pull yeah. out evidence within the text as to why something is bad yeah uh, they just i feel like are bullies and and not something we should give any attention to well, yeah, generally they also, as a society. I'm pretty sure they didn't. They also give a Razzie to The Shining when it came out. So yeah, that's all you oh, need to know. know. The, the, these are the people who thought The Shining was a bad movie. Go, I, I don't go get think, fucked. Was the it Razzies. was the Razzies around in 1980? I don't. I'm not sure if it was. I don't know. I don't know. Look, some some there's a bunch of these. Oh, we're gonna reward the worst movies of the year, people, and they gave one to The Shining. This is bad content. I don't even know who I'm mad at right now. I'm basically just <laughs> ranting that there are people who don't like The Shining. Great content, good <laughs> using, podcast. Using your white privilege there. Um, yeah. Uh, where was I? I was talking about the cast. Um, yes. Okay, so rounding out the the four kids that come in there, we have also uh, Tucker Williams, who... Yeah, uh, played by uh, played by Spencer, Spencer Breslin. Breslin. Uh, I, I, the dramatic pause was just not knowing the words for how to describe him. <sighs> uh tucker tucker williams uh is uh his character is fat and is the subject of lots of jokes about how he's 
fat, and his superpower is the ability to enlarge different parts of his body at will. Um, now, and, yeah. it, kind of in the Kamala Khan uh, comic book, uh, Miss Marvel, um, that level of kind of inflatability and stretchability. Um, yeah, what's totally. weird to me is that it, he could just basically he can't. Uh, he could just make parts of his body fatter. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like he can't control his body. He can't make parts of his body stretch or no. thinner. No. But he can make his head big or he can make his feet fat. Yeah. And Spencer Breslin, I, I just want to mention, uh, wears a padded suit throughout this film. Yeah. To, uh, you know, look even, you know, uh, look look the part, look fat. Yeah. I, it, it's granted this is a 2006 film and you know they hadn't quite learned their lesson from shallow hell yet but uh have, have they even now i think i don't i mean we have the we have the same joke in this as shallow hell where he jumps off the diving board and all of the water spills out and there's a kid in the tree <laughs> yes now now they're they're with a with a key difference though it, uh, look when we when we get into it i i want to talk about that scene a whole lot so we should probably right now right now let's talk about okay. it now i'm not going chronological through this thing when when we're in we inter- we meet each of these kids we get a, a scene of them in their day-to-day life show where we see their power this is before they've been recruited they have the government has come to tim allen and said hey we need you to train a bunch of new super kids oh there aren't any other superheroes out there oh yes there are and then we see who are these super kids so you know we see kate mara as summer jones in line at the cafeteria and these cheerleaders are making fun of her and then she makes uses telekinesis to make all the cafeteria food spit up all over them whatever and uh, you know we see dylan west uh, he gets asked to do an equation up on the board and he goes up to the chalkboard and starts doing the equation and then he turns invisible while he's doing the equation, which I don't really understand how that, like, gets anybody's goat. I don't know, like, it's supposed to be a defiant act, but I don't know why. When <laughs> when we meet Spencer Breslin as Tucker Williams, he is getting, he is at a public pool, he is getting up on the diving board, everyone's yelling like, oh, look how fat he is, uh, he's gonna snap the board in half, and they're yelling at him. He jumps off the diving board, flies up into the air, and then his ass just inflates to be, like, the width of the entire pool. It's just a, a gigantic... And he juicifies his ass to, to yep. levels that we did not know it was possible and to go. The the the... And maybe you're getting here, but the... This is just, like, the level of, of sophisticated humor we're working with. Like, that in and of itself is dumb, but... As he jumps from the diving board into the pool, we we do a quick push or a zoom in, actually, I think it might ah. be, on the kid's face who was making fun of him, and then a reverse shot as to what he's looking at, and it's literally like, like there's no way to, there's, listen, I'm, I'm going to be crass, there's no way to get around it. It go. basically looks like he's going to go up up his butthole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it it's like it's like in everything everywhere all at once when that guy in slow motion is like flying towards the butt plug shaped trophy. Yes. It's like Yes. Except except with the scale is so much larger. It's like Spencer Breslin's ass is like blotting out the sun. It, this is one yeah. of the images that is going to stick with me forever even though I really don't want it to. Just 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 JLo styled Spencer Breslin oh, and and he hits he hits the pool and yeah, splashes everybody out of the pool and um, 
Look, we should also, I think we should also introduce at least Tim Allen as Jack Shepard, Captain Zoom. Like, Let's, the- let's do that in just a minute. I want to talk uh, positively real quick about Courtney Cox. Oh, yes. Uh, I was not expecting a A-level performance out of Courtney Cox in this movie. Yeah. Um, I was shocked. I think she comes out looking the best in this movie, and not just uh, because she's very beautiful, but also well, because true. she really uh, treat she takes this movie seriously, which might be a mistake. In another version of this movie, with her cast, you know, in the same part with the same functions, that serves her better. I think this could have really have been like a, an earmark in her career. Uh, that's saying a lot. And I realize that you have to shift around one too many things, but like it serves like her comedic side that I don't feel like I've really seen since friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it shows her like tender side and like allows her to be a leading lady, but also yeah. playing against type. Cause she's kind of a nerd. I mean, uh, listen, uh, Monica's she, she don't were, come at me. She, She's a she's a very very beautiful woman who is wearing large glasses. <laughs> a nerd, well, you say? I, don't know. I I think she she has a kind of I mean because she's she's playing a character that was an outsider when she grew up, and I I think she, there's a certain internal thing going on with her performance that you can kind of feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's played the cartoony effect due to the movie she's in, but she's doing something beyond just like being the beautiful woman in glasses. I th- I think there's more to give her credit for than that. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Like she is she is just yeah, she is taking the she is putting more of herself into the part. She is acting more here th- certainly than Tim Allen is uh or, you know, Chevy Chase for that matter of, of the of the adult leads. Let's let's get to Tim Allen. Okay. So we first meet Tim Allen in this movie. You know, we get we we this movie starts with this huge uh, uh, you know, comic book looking kind of CGI rendered backstory that looks like I told comic you I can't book do chronological. explaining everything. I'm just telling you, explaining everything that happened with the team, and then we go to the present day where the government has found out that that concussion is coming back. They got to get Tim Allen. They find that he is. What, what, what do you think? What, what can you imagine? Can you even guess? What do you think that uh, Captain Zoom is doing now in his alter ego in his regular life? Uh. That that's uh, right. I'm he, assuming. Let's see. He what's his superpower? Well, his superpower is going really fast. Okay. Going su- okay. Super uh-huh. speed. Mm-hmm. Maybe so, he's a, a a food delivery person dressed like a pirate. Oh, you see, that would make <laughs> he can sense. Get there quickly. That, that would be a really funny bit, and he would get there quickly, and he wouldn't need to have a car, which was a big uh, issue when when that was yeah, happening for him in exactly. uh, in Crazy on the Outside. Uh, no, no, he, get this guys, Tim Allen, he, he, he owns a mechanic shop. He works on old cars. Can you believe it? Can you fucking believe this? Oh man. Yeah. So we see him rambling around in his garage, uh, where he works. But before the government gets to him, you see him making a smoothie. He puts a banana in the blender cup. He puts a bunch of chocolate syrup in the blender cup, pours some milk in there. You're going right there, right away. That's what we're going with this. And he, he he holds out a finger, his index finger, which then starts vibrating and shaking around super, super, super fast. And then he uses it to mix up the smoothie. Um, so, <laughs> there's a lot to say about that. You, is there? Because it's yeah. rendered me speechless. Okay, well, here's the... here. So, so, I guess the first thing is that I don't... This is... Here, here's why this is stupid. If I'm making a smoothie... <laughs> 
<laughs> me, a non-superpowered person, I would simply push the button on the blender that does the labor for me. I wouldn't, because then the beauty of that is then you don't have to stand there getting your hand all covered in banana and syrup and stuff. You can go do other shit while the machine does the work for you. I don't get, you're not saving any time. You're making a uh-huh. big goddamn mess. <laughs> yeah, because with his, with his hand having to go in the top of the blender, there's nothing on, there's nothing preventing it from jumping out of the top. Exactly. Exactly. It's going to get all over his shirt. Wow. I was so gobsmacked by the fact that Tim Allen holds up his finger and it vibrates. Just hold on to that thought for a second. Uh, that I I didn't even see the logic that you're describing here. I, I was just like, what the fuck did I just see? Is this a children's film? This is gross. I don't like this. Well, and you know, look, and 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 to to go there with you know, I when I saw the finger start vibrating like that, at first I was thinking, oh man, I bet Tim Allen was making a lot of really awful jokes about that on the day. But then I thought, wait, that's so funny. I, I have the same note about a different moment in this movie. <laughs> well, this is the thing, though. I'm actually not sure if Tim Allen was making that many jokes about it because I don't know if Tim Allen has ever. Um, perhaps taken a really great interest in pleasing a lover. So oh, maybe, right. he, okay, maybe okay. he didn't I gotta draw a line. I gotta draw a line. I gotta oh, draw a line. Okay. Oh, we don't oh, know I'm anything sorry. we don't know anything about Tim Allen. I'm not going to let us you, cross that line. No, you're right. We we saw Crazy on the outside. It makes very clear that his penis works great and everyone <laughs> loves to have sex with him. Uh, I don't we're talking the care I don't I want to be very careful and in fact I crafted this statement very very specifically Okay, great, uh, great. To make sure that uh, we are above board here. Okay, uh, okay, give me the statement. The statement goes as thus. The persona that Tim Allen steps into Jesus. when playing characters... Oh my god, this is so carefully manicured, all right. Fucking sucks. I fucking yeah. hate it. I don't ever want to fucking see it again. I want yeah. it out of my life. I cannot wait until we stop covering Tim Allen movies. I, okay, yeah, no, I did. I texted you the same thing. I had that same, because <laughs> as soon as the government shows up, and they, they have Courtney Cox in a pretty dress standing out on the street to, like, lure him outside, and then she, like, pretends to faint, and he brings her inside, and then a car pulls up, and Chevy Chase and some government guys get out, and they're like, hey, Captain Zoom, we need you to come be a superhero again, and it's like, wait, why did you have the, why was there this whole subterfuge with Courtney Cox in the dress, whatever, but, like, as soon as they're with her, he is just, like, he's making jokes about how clumsy she is and how nerdy she is, and he's making jokes about Chevy Chase and just, like, shitting on everything. It's just the same All right. stock, angry-at-everything character we've seen before. And I had the same reaction where I was like, I can't do this. I can't keep watching this same type of character. Here's the thing. I want to do a quick thought experiment with you, okay? Okay, okay, great. Every movie that we see him in, even a good portion of Home Improvement... Yeah, there's this kind of put out sensibility that he tries to squeeze his comedy out of uh, mm-hmm. his characters, right? Yeah. So when he's asked to do this, he's like, you know, I, cracking jokes. Why is this that thing? Why are you doing this? Why are you the way you are? Blah 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 blah. I want okay. We're always looking at that sense of humor f- from the perspective of that character out as a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want you to just do this thought experiment of putting that fish back into the water. And how does that character change when 
he's doing his day-to-day life at the garage. But yeah, so wait, is he, so let's see. Does he change at all? Or like, is he maybe just like someone brings a car in and he's like, oh, nice, nice car. Would you put a ham sandwich in the in the engine why is it smells i i have no idea where i'm going ding with ding that, ding ding like, ding ding can we get this guy a prize well, th- th- i don't that... i don't think there's a change i think he's just a shithead 100 of the time yeah like even doing the thing he loves to do and having the the space and privilege in his life to pursue his passions i think he's still a fucking curmudgeonly asshole 100 of the time and our our hero, the, ladies the and gentlemen, the persona yes. that Tim Allen is playing. It, it really struck me during the movie because as it goes on, he's at the you know he's at this military base training these kids against his will. Although, well, although they did, Courtney Cox tells him early on, you know they've they've brought they've drugged him and brought him there and told him, hey, do, we need you to train these superhero kids like your old team, uh, and also we'll pay you half a million dollars to do it. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. So, like, it's weird that they put a price tag on his services. Anyway, but he, throughout the process of doing this, it is it is like he's going out of his way to find things to be upset about. Like, uh, like Cindy, the, the little girl, she keeps, you know, she keeps wearing a princess outfit or whatever when she's, like, throwing these big two-ton bricks around. Or like you know, or colorful little pajama, like bunny-looking pajamas. And Tim Allen is always looking at her, and going like, what, "What's that? What are you wearing? Oh, you are you dressed like a princess? Princess can't be a superhero." And I'm like, "Is it that hard for you to understand that a little girl would want to dress like a princess?" That's like, I feel like that's pretty standard common knowledge stuff. Like, I, I that's not out yeah. of the ordinary. Like, if she's like. If she's out there and she's like, she comes in every day like dressed up like I don't know, like Jonas Salk or like <laughs> I, or I don't know, like or wearing like a Flemish class blowers costume, like yeah, that's confusing. You wouldn't expect that. Remark on that. But even oh. even if it's confusing, why the animosity? Why the why the anger toward it? That's what I don't understand. I, I mean, like I can like I can see the confusion of like what Jonas Salk? What's your superpower? Inventing the polio vaccine? What? <laughs> but. <laughs> Like and uh, but a joke there, but like yeah. yes, that would be cool. <laughs> that honestly, honestly, that what's there to complain about? J- Jonah Jonas Salk is the real superhero. He saved millions <laughs> of lives with the polio vaccine. Where's his Truman, movie? I, I've got yeah. the movie playing in the background. I I just have to because I keep seeing it. It's still in the early part of this movie, I, and I just have to mention it. Yeah. As we go through this, like these opening montage, not some montages, but opening introductions to the characters and getting to the academy, um, between each, there's a Zoom Academy logo that <sighs> yes. goes into the screen and then goes back and we're in the next scene. And why are transitions chasing us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like it's like they they something followed us from the nether realm of home improvement. There are yeah, yeah between between <laughs> Each vignette, the animated logo of the movie, wipes the screen. This is the other thing. Yeah. This is this movie was made in the oil drum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the the grunt creep is the writer and director and producer uh, of this film. Um. I, I also so long as we're talking about the Academy because. Uh, uh, this this is a thing that was that is one of the many confusing layers to this movie beyond the very complex backstory that is also very yeah. dark. Um, so 
the the team that Tim Allen was on in in the past thirty years ago was called Zenith. Team Zenith is the name of the team. Tim Allen's mm-hmm. superhero alter ego is named Zoom. The movie mm-hmm. is called Zoom Colon Academy for Superheroes, which gives mm-hmm. you the impression that the superhero academy is called Zoom, but also there's not even really an academy because it's like an like yes. he it's they're at a secret military base called Area 52 and he is training these kids. Okay. The word academy suggests there is an existing structure and institution of training kids oh superheroes. So no the, the yeah, like like the the movie the movie is the the title suggests to you that this is about an academy for child superheroes called Zoom. It is none uh-huh. of those things. It is about a guy um, named Zoom teaching some kids. You have just uncovered Landon's secret theory about this movie. Great. Okay. <laughs> we haven't talked about Rip Torn. No, uh, we have not. Or Chevy Chase. Really, we didn't talk. Uh, we didn't talk about their character introductions, who they play, what they are. Um, Did- I'm gonna I'm gonna take a step by step into this theory uh, by asking you to introduce both of those characters. Okay, so Chevy Chase is Doctor Ed Grant. He is a scientist who worked with the original Zenith team and still works with the government and is the one who is in charge of rounding up uh, Tim Allen and getting him back to the base. And his mm-hmm. boss is Rip Torn, playing General Larrabee, who is like the the big boss of the Zenith project. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I think we just meet Rip Torn walking around in a general outfit, yelling at people Rip Tornally. <laughs> you, you know, he's a high ranking general because his hat literally it doesn't have the stars, but it says four stars. <laughs> <laughs> I, because, because, um, because four stars in a row was actually copyrighted by the U.S. military and they did not have room in the budget to license that. <laughs> okay. So we've got a, a top military general. And we've mm-hmm. got a, a brilliant scientist who, at one point, is uh, working with double helixes and genetics, and like there's he's this wor- whole he's working with a model gag. of a double yeah. helix. There's this stupid gag where uh, one of the kids um, accidentally bumps into him while he's carrying this double helix model, and it, all the balls fall off, and he's picking them up, and it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to move. Okay, I, I, as I said, I'm, I'm baby stepping you into this theory. I'm yeah. going to shift to the backstory. Okay. You said uh, Team Zenith. It's it's Tim Allen and uh, uh, or Zoom. What's his fucking Jack Shepard? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is his character name. And his uh, older brother, um, mm-hmm. Connor, Connor Shepard, uh, yeah. a.k.a. Concussion. Yes. Um, they're a team called Zenith. Yes. Along with a bunch of other heroes who Connor kills. Yes. Who do they fight? Uh, they fight, uh, you know, bad guys, uh, just, uh, you know, bad guys. They fight bad guys. How do they die? Uh, a, a, a concussion goes crazy because of the radiation and kills them all. What kind of radiation? Omega-13 radiation? No, wait. Who creates huh. the gamma-13 radiation? Uh, the gamma-13 radiation is created by Rip Torn. Why do I know? I, like, do we need to go through this much detail of this, of this story? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm giving, I'm bringing my theory to you as to what this movie actually is. Okay, okay. So the 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 gamma thirteen radiation that makes him turn evil is created by like Rip Torn and Chevy Chase. I'm assuming, right? Yes. Because they're the ones who irradiate them to make their powers go supernova. And because we're not given the backstory as to who the superhero team is fighting, we're just told they're a superhero fighting team created essentially by the military industrial complex. Yeah. 
what I'm suggesting with this theory is that Gamma 13, maybe maybe these five who made up the Zenith team had some intrinsic uh, capabilities that Gamma 13 then amplified, mm-hmm. but drove them crazy. They were probably being built as weapons to either protect or more likely to fight against other countries. Mm. Um, and when Gamma 13 turned out to be an instable way of uh, enhancing the abilities of their uh, their team, and they went crazy and fought each other, there's probably some sort of conspiracy cover-up to make it look like um, that just happened. It wasn't our fault. They The guy went crazy and killed his team and got stuck in this interdimensional rift. Okay, but you can't scrap a project that has that much invested into it. So you bring in genetics, you bring in Gamma 13, and you've got a whole new generation of kids emerging with superpowers. Uh Uh-huh. Being brought back to, not an academy, but (laughs) a military base to be trained for a new team. Yeah. These kids were being created. uh, Okay, okay, okay. With powers for the sole purpose of uh, weaponizing them against other uh, superpowers in the world and by okay. superpowers i mean countries okay all right okay oh, okay so i all right so you, you've just you've just developed a really a really deep backstory for the movie zoom which already has a pretty deep backstory uh so okay so the kids are being bred as super weapons i guess yes okay all right yeah well i i, I guess i'll i'll take that <laughs> I well okay so I think that that is well I can't say speculating but I would bet that's closer to what that original script was. Yeah, like again there are so many hints of like like the the whole there there is like this skeleton happy halloween of a much darker more adult oriented movie that has all of this childish meat you happy halloween on it. <laughs> But, like, because a B-plot throughout this, Tim Allen is training these kids. He's got to try and turn them into a team, but, oh, they're also dysfunctional, and he doesn't want to do it, and, yeah, whatever. But, like, the kind of looming threat is that if he doesn't get these kids to be successful with using their powers, Rip Torn is going to use the Gamma-13 radiation and dose these kids with radiation to make their superpowers be super powerful. And But why? But why? 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 What is the purpose of doing all of this? Well, the purpose of doing all of that is so that they can they can fight uh, concussion when he comes back through the thing. But but just and the, finish that cover but, up. The reason but, that no. concussion's coming okay, back is going to unravel yeah. the cover yeah. up that they already did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but so, the, I, I okay. I, I don't I don't care. I don't I don't really give a shit. The point is that the 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 whole the whole threat the looming threat is if he doesn't get these kids trained up right riptorn is going to take these children and expose them to huge amounts of radiation which is a really just grim thing to have in a children's movie where spencer breslin's ass inflates or where like a kid auditioning to be a superhero blows snot all over everybody or where a skunk farts in chevy chase's face like dude Okay, and it's happening on the screen, uh, ironically, uh, as you're describing it. Um, I can't handle this section. It was so relentlessly gross to me. 
yeah, they're, when they have they have a whole bunch of kids come to the to the base to do auditions for Tim Allen, and he, from that he picks the four kids. But yeah, we've got a kid whose superpower is shooting a huge amount of snot out his nose. Ugh. Uh, there's a kid who. Uh, it doesn't just it doesn't just inflate out of his nose. It explodes and sprays everyone in the room with snot. Yes, mainly Chevy Chase. Uh, uh, there's a kid who goes, "I'm Jupiter, the gas giant," and they all go, "No, no, 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 no!" And then he farts uh, really loud, which reminded me of the Uranus joke in the in the Alf movie we watched, where it's like that would have been <laughs> funny if you just cut it and had them all say no and hustle him out of right. the room. All right, this brings me to a question about the scene that I had specifically for you. Yes. Which is, um, the the parallels between this and another movie were strong to begin with, but by the time you get to this audition scene, uh, it's undeniable, uh, which we didn't mention in the credits that we've talked about numerous times. There's uh, the, the indelible credit, Songs by Smash Mouth. Yes. You said thongs by Smash Mouth, and I didn't realize that they were in uh, the wardrobe department <laughs> as well as on the their soundtrack. Portfolios. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's why they're all stars, I guess. Yes, no, th- this is this movie is Smash Mouth heavy. Yeah. So, okay, you've got Smash Mouth. You've got a superhero uh, a team assembling through auditions. Oh, I see what you're going for here. Yeah, this I'm on board for. It, it, it <laughs> I, well, I just I have no. I, I just want your reaction as a, a stated, you know, mystery man uh, uh, fan. Yeah, I I mean, this this scene was upsetting to me specifically because it was reminding me of the superhero audition scene in Mystery Men, which is way better. I mean, I don't know if it's a look. I, I just know that I think Mystery Men rules, and that movie makes me very happy because it's. It, you know, it it's very good at the thing that it's trying to do, um, and the, yeah, this one is uh, this one is bad. I it, it made me upset. It was trying to stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, it's not and the the superhero audition scene in Mystery Men. It has Dane Cook in it, which is normally a mark against. But I would much rather see Dane Cook than uh, see snot getting sprayed all over Chevy Chase's oh, face. So gross. It's really bad. Although, it's, I mean, don't you have in Mystery Men both uh, someone who farts? Yes, we, you're right. But that's, <laughs> but, but that's Paul Rubens. Okay, that's Paul, Paul Rubens. And so, someone who turns invisible. Yes, true. Uh, and it's been a while since I've seen it. Isn't there, is there a snot bubble in that one? I don't think there's a snot or bubble. Or is Paul Rubens just so gross looking that it looks like he... he is a embodiment of a snot bubble. Uh, yeah, he's just he's just sweaty and covered in acne and farting the whole time. Which which and I don't. Why did I identify with that movie so much as a teenager? I hmm, I can't even imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but so so they yeah they well they have these they have these auditions they get they get the kids together and then they're at that point they're pretty much just at the at the facility training and occasionally doing a hijink. Um, yeah. Do, okay. Do, I, I I could sense the the chronologically coming coming down the line here, and I want to. Well, I want to pick I some mean, stuff it, out here. Well, at this point, at this point, we've got the setup. They're at the thing. Now it's just now the you could you could rearrange the scenes of the movie between when the, the kids are recruited and the end of the movie, and it would not change how the movie feels. The setup is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's setup then climax. Mm-hmm. True. True. Uh, uh, yeah. One okay, so one thing that starts to emerge in this movie that 
bothers me a tiny bit is, and I'm not going to go so far as to say there's an agenda behind it, but it's just kind of like a cloying trope of children's movies, which is the sense of family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone, everyone has to be a family. We're coming together as a family, not a team. We're not working together. We're not coworkers. We're a family. Real, real red flag at a startup vibes coming from uh, Team Zenith. (laughs) You know, Team Uh, Zenith, they they, they won't, you know, you're 1099. They won't pay for your health care. But hey, you know what? There's free LaCroix (laughs) in the fridge. Um. So, and by the way, okay, I'm I'm on the scene in the background where Courtney Cox is showing the old Zoom comic books to the mm-hmm. the four kids that were chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Team Zenith comic books. Thank you very no. much. Because th- no, they're called the, the Zoom comics. They are called the Zoom comics, and they only have uh, Tim Allen's, <clears throat> or I should say, Jack Shepard's uh, 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 likeliness on them. But uh, he's the, drawn the, as Superman, like flying through the air. Zoom is about he's basically the Flash, and and look also th- this cartoon drawing of young Tim Allen on the cover of the Zoom comic books is haunting. It's another image from this that I will never forget as much as I want to. Um, which okay, there, there's this, there's a whole there's a whole like HBO style miniseries <laughs> that's waiting to be written about what the fuck happened with this earlier Zenith team. Mm-hmm. Why are there only Zoom comics? Why are Zoom comics the only ones that are uh, worth anything? Also, mm-hmm. this is just this is a trope I hate in movies where uh, th- they some character has like an expensive comic book and they're like, oh, don't touch it, don't even you know, don't even touch the plastic on it, and other characters just manhandle them. But also yeah. in grabbing it away from the person that's manhandling it, mm-hmm. they like bend it all to shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the the handling of comic books. If you're if you're gonna go out on a limb and and pretend you have a character that cares about that shit, then go all the way and do the the actual like acting that someone would do. Don't just snatch it out of someone's hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it's a, it's a <laughs> what, personal what, gripe. What, what, what would someone actually do? Would they like pull out the taser they've got and tase the person who's holding it, and then with a pair of tongs carefully remove the the uh, comic book from the offender's cold dead hands or something? Oh, wow, that's it's a good question. I would the tactic I would use is uh, a really loud, surprising yelp. <laughs> <laughs> just to, I want the reaction I want is deer in headlights. It's mm-hmm. not. I don't want them to. I want them to cease their activity. I don't want to snatch it out of their hand because that could create some sort of jostling. You know, some sort of fight. Some sort of like get an iron grip on it unintentionally on their part. I, I want them to just freeze in midair. So mm-hmm. some sort of just unexpected loud noise. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, okay, well, listen, uh, Jupiter the Gas Giant is pretty good at unexpected loud noises, so maybe <laughs> maybe you should recruit him for your superhero team of people who goes around and protects uh, uh, valuable comic books, I guess. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so where, where – should we talk a little bit more about Chevy Chase? Yeah, let's talk about Chevy Chase, who, you know, he plays the superhero uh, – not the superhero – he plays the scientist. He plays, by the way, they they established this early on. He is a Nobel Prize winning scientist, apparently. <laughs> which yes. d- 
just just a huge a huge burn on the on the Nobel people. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult for me because I, this movie made me feel uh, really conflicted because on the one mm-hmm. hand. I know what a piece of shit Chevy Chase is, just like how he is just, he is abrasive and kind of emotionally abusive and has alienated Mm -hmm. everyone who he has ever been close to. And on the other hand, in this movie, I kind of feel bad for him the whole time because everyone is being so shitty to him. There is there is a scene in the middle of the movie that is just that has no connection to the rest of the film. Like the kids have been getting, you know, going through all kinds of testing and combat training. And at one point late at night, they're looking for ice cream and they stumble into some control room for like an outdoor wilderness simulator. And Chevy Chase is in this, you know, is in the chamber doing some work on it. And they close the door and start pushing different buttons to like make different weather events happen to him. It's like that that scene is psychotic. It's because, yeah, because A, it's like he asks them like, oh, hey, please don't lock me in here. And then, you know, they're laughing as they like make it rain really hard on him. They get him, they make him get struck by lightning, which then makes him start speaking in a really racist Chinese accent. And then snow <laughs> dumped on him and then eventually a skunk that farts on his face. Like, And the, then the, they, the little girl is with them and yeah, they're like laughing and uh, uh smiling and encouraging her like yeah come on you try it you try it and and all the while he's just like please don't please don't do this to me anymore i i don't want skunk gunk in my mouth yeah because because also the, the the this model skunk pops up and then it flips around and lifts its tail and chevy chase is just staring at it completely immobile letting it do this to him he has so long to like this guy failed his reflex save in a major way but <laughs> I, like, but the thing is, Chevy Chase is never, at no point is he being mean to them. Tim Allen is being a total dick to these kids for most of the yep. movie. Chevy Chase is usually just being there like, oh, hey, kids, I've got this for you. Or like, hey, today's test is going to be this. Like, he's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> he's also it's, not the one, he yeah. doesn't want to irradiate them either. Rip Torn is the one who wants to dose these kids with radiation. Oh, God, I got to earmark that for a second from now. But to, just to wrap up the Ch- uh, Chevy Chase character, like, it's one of these characters that you find every once in a while in these sorts of uh kid movies where it's just it's a character that shouldn't exist mm-hmm. I, i'm trying to think of the like philosophical term for it but like it's just a, a he's a nobel prize winning person who's basically a fucking idiot yeah yeah <laughs> like it doesn't make a lick of sense that he is functionally, you know, like the the person that is doing all these experiments and the reason this academy exists, but also like the butt of all the jokes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he shouldn't have time for this shit. Like he shouldn't be even sitting in on the auditions. Like he should be doing genius stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, I I feel the the more we try to apply some kind of logical framework to the movie Zoom colon Academy for Superheroes, maybe maybe we're the real idiots. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, isn't that the joke we've not been acknowledging for the last eight years? Um, I, sp- I suppose so. Um, uh, okay, well, before we move on, I I want to bring out one of my notes here, which yeah, is yeah. I I don't want to be an active participant but I would love to be a fly on the wall of what this set was like with so many 
personalities, capital P. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would a scene between Tim Allen and Chevy Chase and Rip Torn be like? We uh, we get a we get a taste of it in the outtakes where yeah. they play it as if it's a a little joke, but. Chevy Chase just starts singing everybody poo poo every like making up this stupid song. Yeah, it's like we like to poop our pants or something like that. Another yeah. A plus comedy from Chevy Chase right there. And Tim Allen shoots a look over his shoulder, going, "That's not in the script." <laughs> and Chevy Chase winning everyone over by making them all everybody on set singing, "We love to poop our pants." Um, and. I just knowing like Rip Torn on camera almost murdered Norman Mailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chevy Chase, as you documented and the world has documented, notoriously shitty to work with. Yes. The persona that Tim Allen puts on in his movies makes it seem like maybe he's not always the most receptive person to ad libbing. Uh, well, wow, amazing. Set. Yeah. Unless it's him. Um I, I, I there's this movie called Venom, uh from yeah. the late seventies. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm thinking stars, of a different one. Yeah, it's it's a, <laughs> not the one with Tom Hardy. Um, gotcha. The uh it stars Oliver Reed, who was this impish drunkard, uh fantastic actor, but uh just notoriously drunk, uh brawling offset all the time. Um it stars him and Klaus Kinski, who notoriously sociopathic, uh, terrifying screen villain, um, and uh, Sterling Hayden, mm-hmm. who was this take suffer no fools, take no nonsense, uh, former communist ship sailor <laughs> guy, and the set for that movie was notoriously tense. Yeah, uh, for a ridiculous premise of bank robbers who take uh, a family hostage while a massive poisonous Python is set loose in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the closest the background uh, stories come to that movie might be the set of zoom. I I mean, look, full, fully agree. And watching the, the bloopers for this movie, which are truly depressing, the, the biggest feeling I have is one of great sympathy for Courtney Cox, because yes. being the beautiful woman who two kind of notorious Hollywood assholes are clowning for and trying to one-up each other for has got to just be stressful. Like in that scene where he's singing, we like to poop our pants, and he gets he gets everyone to start singing it, and seeing Courtney Cox just kind of starting to go along with it with kind of a forced smile, like the, 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 the look of a woman who is used to... Uh, pretending to be amused by men's boorish behavior yeah. for her she own knows. safety. Uh, she knows the quickest way out of this is just to let him do it. And the sooner that we're all on board with that, the faster it's going to get over. All all the more reason to be impressed by her performance in this movie, that she can do th- that level of work <laughs> when like every moment the camera isn't on her, it's either Chevy Chase or Tim Allen trying to do bits for her. One of the bloopers in that scene or, or a scene very close surrounding it uh was her literally looking to the camera going where's matt blanc when you matt leblanc when you need him <laughs> and it, it felt a little too real like i miss my incredibly popular and successful tv show <laughs> with the cast who i loved why am i in this shit 
With, with a cast that, to my knowledge, was fairly easy to work with and not yeah. too over the top in any in any one way. I don't really it, know shit about depends Prince. Depends on where in uh, Matthew Perry's career it is, I would assume, but <laughs> I, not, look, not I, making any comments there. I take Matthew Perry at any point in his career over Chevy Chase at any point in his career, even when he was being in Caddyshack <laughs> and doing great stuff. Um, well, All right, look, I, I have a question to get us back into this. Okay, I, I had I had one as well, but you go first. Oh, sorry. What's yours? Yours. You go. Uh, I, I want to ask you, what do you think about that UFO? What do you think? We want oh, to talk that about was the, the question I was going to ask you. Oh, Landon, what's oh up, my God. What's up with the UFO? You're, you're Much like Kate Mara, you're empathetic, I guess, and can tell what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> so there's, there, okay, I'll, let's, I'll get you guys into the UFO scene. Tim, oh at one point, uh, well, he finds, A, that the, the robot friend who they used to have 30 years ago is still at the base. The robot is named Mr. Pib, one of many ham-fisted product placements in this movie. But he asks Mr. Pib, hey, you guys still got that old Rambler down in the garage? And I heard that, and I was just like, I died inside. I'm like, motherfucker, there's going to be a hot rod. He rode in a fucking hot The kid, It's going to be him and, the, and they're all going to be bonding over a hot rod. And I was going to, like, throw my laptop out the window. It was, I was going to be so mad. And they go down there, and oh, thank God, it's just a UFO that they have in, the, in this secret base, Area 52. And... So, you know, the kids are like, oh, wow, it's it's the UFO from Area 51. And Tim is explaining like, ah, yeah, they put it back together and they, they put it here. And they go in and they take it out and fly it around and they go to Wendy's and there's this, they go right. through the drive through at Wendy's. But like, they never... I have never... for you about that. Yeah. Oh, okay, I, 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 my, my, uh, my first question before you get to your question is just... Okay. Uh, the, I guess there's aliens. There's no. They never really explain why yes. the UFO is there. There's never really yes. any reason for the UFO to be there. All it serves is a way to convey them to the final battle, which could just as easily be like a jeep or even, God forbid, a hot rod. Like, there's no reason for them to have a UFO, and it just raises even more questions. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's your the question? question? The question being, this is the. <laughs> This is the UFO from Area 51. Yes. They put it back together, and now yes. it's in Area 52. Yes. Why move it? Yeah, that's a good question. Why move it to the... <laughs> why, why take our super top-secret UFO and put it at the base where we have all the super-powered kids who are constantly doing mischief? It, I, if, we're, if I were the government, I would simply keep it at the non-mischief okay. superhero kid base. Let, let's keep this ball rolling. Why is there zero oversight in terms of taking it out to Wendy's? Yeah, yeah, and because and, Courtney Cox then gets very temporarily mad at Tim Allen when she sees on the news all these reports about, oh, this UFO came and uh, to, to Wendy's, uh, whatever, and like, oh, how could you do this? But it's like, really, Courtney Cox, this is kind of more on your team for not, like, having a locking hangar door or like a guard watching the, the, the UFO emphasis uh, on moron. Um, <laughs> okay. This brings me to another question about this movie that I think works overtime to make you not question. Yeah. But at certain points it becomes inevitable that you can't question it. Yeah. Or can't not question it, which is I'm trying to follow that, but okay, go on. Yeah. <laughs> get your, get your, d20 ready oh um, man i i don't i don't know i guess i'm gonna vote for mccain this obama guy here no, is from I kenya you, listen you're, i need you to do a history check <laughs> oh okay all right uh rolling do superheroes exist 
uh, 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 yeah, they, yeah, they exist. Uh, there was that uh, Team Zoom, may eh, back in the eighties, <laughs> because of the comic books. Hey, I guess I'm uh-huh. kind of every 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 impression sort of becomes the Fonz. I I mean, well, also because it's I mean, presumably people knew about Team Zenith, right? They made the comics. Uh, I, I mean, or I, are, or to my to my theory, did they make the comics? To as part of the cover up to make people think that the superhero team didn't actually exist. Okay, actually, that's a good because no, you're you're right because there's a there's a point in the movie when the kids are reading the Zoom comic books and and then and Courtney Cox is telling them these are all true stories. This all actually happened and they're and they're wowed by it. So, okay, I guess that the the Joe Plummer from Cleveland. And I'm assuming that's Christopher Plummer's American brother, right? <laughs> yep, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then I guess his answer would be like, no, hell no, superheroes don't exist. <laughs> is that is that the, then, the correct? All the money well, in the uh, world couldn't buy a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I just, <clears throat> I'm trying to get a, a bead on, like, should I be concerned that these people, that this team is going out into the world and doing things they shouldn't be doing and being seen in ways they shouldn't be seen? A la this UFO going to Wendy's, or well, I don't think I'm being introduced to all four of these characters and seeing their powers be put to you. Like he turns invisible in front of his class. Yeah, in so, front of his. Yeah, yeah. All of them is, are. Being, is that how? How sh- am I? Should I be like brain exploded? What the fuck? That isn't physically possible. Uh, reaction, or should I be like, wow? I didn't think superheroes existed anymore. It is because also the movie starts with Tim Allen telling the government people like, what? There's no other superheroes. No. Yes, there are. Yeah. These kids are making seemingly no attempts whatsoever to hide their abilities and the stuff that they're doing, like, like Kate Mara making the cafeteria food explode all over the mean cheerleaders. It's like, well, okay, that, that one you could plausible deniability. Yeah. But, but like Spencer Breslin's juicy ass or like a (laughs) six year old girl, like throwing a, uh, a bully into a tree when he tries to take a candy or like, or, or, uh, (laughs) uh, Michael Cassidy turning invisible in front of the blackboard. Yeah. All of those things would be talked about. Like, I, we should also point out the guy who plays Michael Cassidy's math teacher in that one scene where he turns invisible at the beginning of the movie is the guy yep. who played Biff in Back to the Future. Tom uh, Wilson, everybody. Th- Thomas F. Wilson, also the gym teacher on Freaks and Geeks. Um, yes. Deserve better, honestly? I would like to have seen him more in this. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I like Thomas F. Wilson. Yeah, I do too. Um, <clears throat> gl- glad we, gl- Okay, glad we settled that. Yeah, we the movie, finally agree on something. The movie does play this whole sense of this is a top secret installation, a top secret mission, but like no one seems to be employing any secrecy. Also, at the end of the movie, when we see everybody after spoiler alert, they defeat concussion. They're all using their powers out in the open for trivial stuff, and no one seems surprised. Yeah, it's baffling to me. Um, yeah. That said, uh, when Courtney Cox is given. Tim Allen the 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 talk down about taking the thing out. He's like, "What's the matter? I got you a spicy chicken sandwich." Um, yeah. Granted, it's it's uh, blatant product promotion. Um, gonna do a little bit of my own. I found uh, in Madison a vegan spicy chicken sandwich, Ooh. and it was so tasty. Uh, just want to give a shout out to Green Owl. Great. Uh, not sponsored by them, but just very impressed with. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the first spicy chicken sandwich um, made of, uh, I think it was, uh, I think, was it 
uh, uh, Satan, maybe? Um, Satan? Satan made that sandwich? Dude, you <laughs> shouldn't be messing around with that stuff. so good. Satan made it. Oh, um, man. Landon, you're... Yeah, it's good. You shouldn't have sold your soul for one chicken sandwich, dude. Get a better deal than that. It was that good. Ah, well, all right. Well, I'll, I'll see you in hell, I guess. Um... <laughs> You were so, gonna see me there anyway. I very, very true after some of the jokes we've made in this episode alone. Um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to get a sense for what else is going. So I mean, there's there's a lot of montages. There are a lot of different training montages set to various either kind of yeah. pop punk songs or Smash Mouth songs. There's a terrible there's a Bowling for Soup song. I used th- to know those guys. Uh, there's a terrible cover of Under Pressure in this song. Uh, oh, in this oh my God. I, oh Lord, I didn't, okay, listen, I understand we've had a tragedy with, with Steve Harwell recently, and that's mm-hmm. nothing to joke about. Yeah. That said, Smash Mouth is the last band who should have ever covered Under Pressure. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's. I almost respect the audacity of like here. Here is a collaboration between two of the greatest vocalists in history. Yeah, I think we could uh, let's take a crack at it. This won't in this won't invite unfavorable comparisons at all. Uh, <laughs> so, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of that. Dylan and Kate Mara. Uh, I'm sorry, I, sh- I can't use I can't use a character name and an actor name. That's bad. Dylan and Summer uh, are are you know because they're both teenagers and both attractive. They are slowly you know gravitating towards one another. Dylan is trying to win her heart yeah. by like making her a little charm for the necklace that her parents gave her or something. Okay, like that. Uh, wait, I'm gonna pause you there. That was one of the most audacious things in this movie. <laughs> She, yes, let, let, yeah, let's, let, I'm going to zoom in on this. At one point, right. he's flirting with her. He sees, you know, hey, what's that necklace you've got? Because all those teenage <laughs> boys are, like, super, just, like, cognizant of jewelry. But so he, like, is, you know, examining this just totally ordinary silver necklace that she's got on. And she explains, oh, that's the last thing my parents gave me before they got rid of me because they couldn't handle my powers. Um, And then, so, yeah, then later he comes to her and he gives her, like, a charm to put on it. That looks like an eye because of her third sight or clairvoyance or whatever. But it's just like, hey, here's this piece of jewelry that has great sentimental significance that your parents gave you. Let me yeah. plus let me plus that up a little bit. Here's this shitty looking yeah. charm. <laughs> this is why I, I'm so protective over uh like having I, I rarely tell people what my like favorite song is. Uh mm. it, I think I've probably said it on the podcast, but yeah. usually I'm like I don't want other people to like, hey, I know you like that song. And so I got you this, you know, like print with it on it or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's different if like it's a band, but it's like, hey, you know, that song that means s- such personal things to you. Yeah. Um, that, that's I the, put and that's it the... on this this reel of us going to the fair that day. <laughs> <laughs> and and the song Landon is talking about is the Smash Mouth cover of Under Pressure, by the way. Um, <laughs> Damn it. That's why I hate this movie so much. I know, I know. It, it ruined an otherwise really beautiful track for you. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's, you know, so at some point also... Th- it, it it's sort of a revelation to me as we as we near the beginning of Act Three of this movie that the kids and Tim Allen all learn at the same time. Oh, the thing we're being trained for is to fight concussion when he comes back out of the dimensional vortex, which I guess 
They didn't know. Like, we, the audience, knew that because we've seen a million scenes with Rip Torn and Chevy Chase going like, ah, Vortex is going to open up and concussion's going to come out. We better get the kids ready and juice them up with radiation. But so okay. they, yeah. I, I got to ask real quick about this because we've been talking about concussion a yeah. lot. Yeah. Even though he's not made an appearance outside of the animated thing at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Um, And this is also going to transition me into another thing that I, I foreshadowed at the beginning. But I want to talk about concussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we haven't mentioned is that concussion is uh the older brother of Tim Allen's character. I mean, I think we mentioned that. I think my synopsis may have covered that. I don't want to like, you know, but, but it's whatever. It's fine. What we didn't mention is that the older brother is played by Kevin Zegers mm-hmm. or Zegers. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but someone significantly younger than Tim Allen, who was 53 when he made this movie. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> but he's, so, but he's got a soul patch and he's wearing a graphic t-shirt the whole time. So, you know, he's a young cool Truman, dude. <laughs> the inconsistency of Tim Allen's facial hair in this movie is egregious. <laughs> I it is aggressively incongruous. In, in, I I, I I was af- personally offended by the lengths his facial hair changes from scene to scene. I was just offended by his facial hair in general. Like, this is <laughs> yes. not a good... Uh, none of the versions of his facial hair is at any point good. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the fact that it's changing so often to make me notice it more is just offensive. But um, back to concussion. Uh what is so unnecessarily complicated, and I have a question for you. Maybe I missed it because you seem to know more about this backstory than I do. Concussion sent where? Uh, he uh, just sort of a, a, a portal between dimensions. He gets sent into another dimension. Okay, so it's kind of like uh, when General Zod gets thrown into the the negative zone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's like that. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Beastie Boys song Intergalactic because they're saying another dimension, another dimension and that's that's <laughs> that that song was actually written as a tie-in for this movie, but oddly oh, enough boy. it doesn't feature on the soundtrack. Um what is so unnecessarily convoluted about this is that when he comes back, he's still young. So yes. like is it that time stopped and he didn't age or is it that he was in stasis and he did age, but his body didn't age. What's going on with this? Why, why, when he comes back, is he still young and Tim Allen is old? I think it's that time stopped for him and he did not age while he was in the vortex for 30 years. So when he comes back out, even though he is Tim Allen's older brother, he is much okay. younger than Tim Allen. Then I'm, I'm going to skip ahead real quick to the scene where he comes back. Uh, he comes back. Shouldn't he be, like, in the exact moment in which he went into the portal? Like, wouldn't he just be fucking confused as to why things aren't where they were one second before he stepped into it? I mean, yes, maybe. He seems to have an understanding that time has passed. I mean, look, maybe so, but at the same time, when he comes back out of the portal, he does just kind of flop onto the ground flat on his face... As though he were not prepared. This, this is the thing. The, the movie has been building up to, oh shit, this big bad guy is going to come back and it's a ticking clock and we have to be ready and the only people who can defeat him are these superheroes. And then when the thing actually happens, Big Vortex appears, he flops out and is just kind of like, 
whiny and upset and kind of force punches <laughs> Tim Allen a couple times and then promptly yeah. gets his ass kicked by children in about three Dude. minutes. Dude, that ending action sequence, there is nothing less pulse pounding than setting an action sequence to pop punk. I, I mean, uh, yes, after, after, but you know, it's consistent with all of the other scenes in the movie that are set to like, like just all the action in this movie is kind of just set to music. It sounds like, come right, on, I got, come on. Here, okay. I, let me, let me run down the, the uh, soundtrack list real yeah, quick. I yeah. mean, aside from the fact that we have so many smash mouth songs, mm-hmm. um, uh, we have punk rock one oh one by bowling for soup. Yep. Um, we have in, you know, just so that we know that we are in a tender moment, you bring in five for fighting Superman. Of course. <laughs> um, you have, uh, the middle makes an appearance by Jimmy Eat World at one point. Roughly in the middle of the movie too, which I thought was great. <laughs> There's a, um, uh, a kind of pseudo dance that happens. Um, yeah. After where... they've completed their training they have a little prom for them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a straight out of 1998, but of course it's 2006. Enrique Iglesias' hero plays uh, as <laughs> the, the the two teens start to fall in love. Yeah, and as and as uh, Tim and uh, Courtney Cox dance as well. <laughs> and then the song that's playing uh, at the end there when they're fighting is called "It's On" by Super Chick, and it's just like the, the least action-oriented song you can find. It's like setting, like, if you can imagine the Inception hallway scene set to, like, Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It really, like... Well, well let, me, let me be clear about that. I'm not equating the action in this, if it was scored differently, would equate to a Christopher Nolan movie, but... Yeah, it's not like there's one. It's not like there's one weird thing you could fix that would that would make this entire movie work. <laughs> right, right. Um... Yeah, this this whole just this whole ending fight is really they have made concussion out to be such a such a all powerful villain, but you know he's in advance of this, in advance of him coming back. Uh, you know they're at this, they're at the prom, they're at the prom thing because the training is finished. Rip Torn comes barging in and says, you know, screw it, concussion's almost back. We're gonna irradiate these kids with the uh, the gamma thirteen. Tim busts the kids out, gives them all their superhero names, which they've been agitating for, and then they basically go in the UFO to go to where Concussion is going to come back. And so Tim is saying, "Oh, let, let me talk to him. He's my brother. I can I can try and talk him down." And so they're, you know, he's you know trying to say to him like, "Ah, the radiation made you evil, and I'm sorry, but we can fix this." And and so Concussion punches at him a couple times, knocks him back a few times, and then he's about to finish him off. And then he just gets like uh, Mr. Pib the robot goes up and stands on a on a cliff and waves his arms and then concussion just looks at him and goes, "Oh wow, that old rust bucket is still around, huh?" Like he is so easily distracted. The big bad, what? the villain of the entire movie is just like, "Oh, it's a robot over there." Why hasn't this whole podcast episode been about Mr. Pib? It is Mr. Yeah, you know, Mr. Pib who's who is just a who is just an inanimate stage prop who they kind of wiggle around sometimes when part of him is out of frame there's there's a scene where Cindy is dancing with him at the prom and it's really just her like her holding his hands and and moving them back and forth to make it look like he's dancing it's amazing i love it um 
Okay, I want to mention, now that we're talking about concussion, uh, this other oddity that appears in this movie. Yeah. Kind of in the... I don't. I can't even really locate it because there's no X to this. <laughs> there's, no, there's there's, there's no not. three X structure here. Whoever wrote this script what like went a little too hard on the fun and games portion. Like that's it's ninety uh, percent fun and games, and, and I'm and, using both of those in air quotes. Yeah, yeah, fu- fun and games in the in the screenwriting term sense, not in the actual fun actual games <laughs> sense. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, there, th- there's the point at which. Um, we start to the kids start to like learn about what really happened to uh, Tim's old team, right? Mm-hmm. And they come across a, a photo of the team. Yeah. Now get ready for this. Okay. I don't know if you saw this trivia or not. You uh, this might not be news to you. I, I I don't know. I no. I don't think I saw. I don't think I went through the IMDb trivia for this. Unfortunately. Okay. In that photo, we see as we saw uh, the young photoshopped. 1970s Tim Allen face. Right, yes. Okay, and we see Kevin Zeggers as Concussion, his brother, yeah. who appears in this movie. Yeah. The other three people that appear as part of their team playing Ace, Marksman, and Dara Via mm-hmm. is Wilbur Valderrama. Oh, yeah, yeah, from uh, That 70s Show, yes. Uh-huh. Alexis Bledel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Devin Aoki. Okay, wait. It, not related to Steve Aoki, I hope. Uh, I don't know if they if they're related or not, but you know, uh, she's in uh, one of the Fast and the Furious movies. She's from Sin City. She had a hot moment here right before um, uh, this movie came. Oh, out. oh no, Landon. She has an older sister and a younger brother, as well as four half siblings, including Steve Aoki. Oh, oh man, I do love that one of the world's most famous DJs is a guy named Steve. Okay, go on, please. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just pointing out that you have three actors who were in 2006, not not names. I mean, they may not have been marquee names, but uh, they, you know, Alexis Bledel was Gilmore Girls that she was in. Um, Yeah, was probably I think still on the air. Uh, Wilbur uh, Wilmer Valderrama. um, He was big at that time, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, that 70s show probably just went off the air. Um, and Devin Aoki was in Sin City two years before and was in Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, in 2006. So why are these actors appearing in a still photo? I, I mean, again, this is, uh, and, and all is like part of the backstory. It's like the backstory to this movie is so big and expansive that they even cast kind of name actors to just be in pictures from it. Aha. No, the- I, I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think this is indication that maybe I, I don't know how much but they at least plan to shoot other footage of a different movie mm, yeah yeah you don't you don't go that far to license somebody's likeness for a two second shot of a uh, still photo that somebody picks up in a, a thing like maybe if it was a Judd Apatow movie and you're doing some sort of like how many cameos can we fucking fit in this movie sort yeah. of gag yeah. you would but not in fucking zoom in 2006 you don't do that I, I, okay, I mean, I guess I can I can see there being like another hour of movie that they that they shot, and just the studio was like, no, 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 we can't, <laughs> we can't actually. I bet, I bet they shot that entire the so the entire opening credits that we've been talking about over and over again is animated. I'm willing to bet they shot 
a live action version of that. And they were just like, and maybe, maybe we see their deaths a la Mystery Men and Greg Kinnear. <laughs> and they were just like, wait, no, 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 we can't, we can't show this entire team getting murdered by Tim Allen's brother, and then twenty minutes, if not ten minutes later, we see Spencer Breslin inflating his ass to knock a bunch of kids out of a swimming pool. Like the the two things yeah. just don't fit together. Well. I think that latter part comes like I can see Tim Allen signing on to a PG-13 superhero movie. Sure. Um, but, you know, with with things going the way they were going, I can see him and maybe the studio or somebody being responsible for going. We need to push this more into children territory. So we're going to cut that entire beginning and we're going to pad this out with more jokey stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, they, yeah, they cut the plot and they kept the padding, but there's just bits of <laughs> bits of plot residue scattered throughout like uh, like lumps in gravy or something like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, OK, I, I have I have so many more notes, dude. I mean, and I haven't even talked about how this differs apparently from the source material. But at this point, we're so we're so out of we're so out of step with everything. Do we want to talk through the ending of the movie. I mean, I guess we kind of already have. And but yeah, I guess. We, I mean, unless there's more from the middle that you want to do, such as well, we already well, talked see. about the scene. Let me, let me go middle. through my. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Uh, because if we're going to go into the ending, um, I have questions about their powers to an extent. I mean, we know what their powers are. Yeah. But although we, we don't see outside of Tim's vibrating finger, we don't see him use his powers in this movie at all until the end. What's implied that he lost them in in the process of of his brother getting sucked into the vortex. Now, wouldn't that be an interesting subplot of like Tim Allen dealing a la Iron Man three with like superhero PTSD? Oh man, I I don't know if that would be as interesting as another montage of the kids having a food fight. <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's really where the where the emotional punch of this movie lays. Well, yeah, I mean, the the kids have been training this whole time, and when we get to their final battle and they all use their powers, it's mm-hmm. like, so we've got Dylan, who turns invisible so we can get close to uh, Concussion, this big, evil, bad guy who's so frightening, and just full-on just punches him in the face a couple times and really, like, knocks him, knocks him down pretty hard. Uh... Uh, Summer is levitating a bunch of rocks and throwing the rocks at Concussion, and Concussion is like, ah, 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 and he's trying to, like, dodge them and knock them away, but it's just too many rocks. Uh, and, and, uh, the, the, the Spencer Breslin, Tucker, he basically, at one point, I think, I, I guess, uh, Cindy throws Concussion at, at Spencer Breslin, and then he just inflates his stomach really big, and Concussion bounces off of it. And that's back into the this big vortex that's going on to send him back to another dimension. I I think it's some kind of no, because Tim Allen is running in circles really fast because we've learned at some point that Tim Allen running in circles very fast will create a different vortex that makes uh, that will make Connor stop being evil, which is (laughs) I mean, I mean, that's why that's why they gave the honestly (laughs) your homework for the rest of this episode is to explain that to us. I mean, look, that's why Chevy Chase got the Nobel Prize. He figured out the he cracked the secret of how running in circles really fast makes an evil person good again. If we'd had this during World War Two, we could have made Hitler such a chill guy. Oh, he would have been great. There is okay uh, between the lines of all these uh, usages of power is this question I have about 
superhero movies of this kin, which are, in addition to their superpowers being strength, speed, invisibility, what have you, mm-hmm. they're also indestructible. Yeah. There are multiple instances where six-year-old Cindy punches something, and I'm like, she, like at one point she pushes Chevy Chase in a chair, and Chevy Chase is kind of... <laughs> just like in Little Bigfoot 2 when he's yeah. <laughs> that uh, spicy chili <laughs> just flies through the the uh the complex. Mm-hmm. In reality, that would explode his chest. <laughs> yes. Yes, that would. Tim Allen running at the speed that he does, he is rusty and trips. Yeah. And then for like a quarter of a mile is stumbling. Well, like, it, like he's space landing and rolling skin over. Off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and we are we just saying that because we kind of wanted to see that happen to both of those characters. We wanted to see Chevy Chase's chest explode. We wanted to see Tim Allen with his face ripped off. I just I, I wanted that to be the end of the movie. Just like he fucks up right at the end, we just see it like a, a bloody skeleton, <laughs> and then the credits cut to black, fade up text, concussion conquered the world. There were no survivors. Under pressure. <laughs> you might as well be walking in the sun. Uh, I, yeah, well, we should also mention that at the the reason that Tim Allen, like at the end of the movie, he runs super fast back to the base so he can get his original super suit, which he puts on. And it's like black latex body with like a black mask. And it looks, it's, it's so it's much, black Panther. it's so much like Black Panther's costume. It's Black Panther. And I could, you, I mean, just, and the least Black Panther-y person to be wearing it. I mean, honestly, I think, is... I think I am closer to Black Panther than Tim Allen is. <laughs> I told you earlier that I made the same note that you did. Mm-hmm. This is where I wrote, how much time did he spend on set talking about having to be in this costume? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh god. How many jokes do you think he cracked about the tightness around his crotch? <laughs> well, there were some scenes at the end when he's walking away with everybody where I'm like, I'm seeing a little too much crotch here. I'm getting <laughs> I mean, you know, much much like the last episode of Home Improvement, we finally get a real sense for the size of of uh, Wilson's schlong. It's kind of like the same thing oh, happening boy. at the end of Zoom. <laughs> Let's bring up that controversial moment. We gotta, we gotta bring that up back for the the series spectacular. But that that Great. Wilson Dong moment has uh, caused rifts in relationships. Oh, that, um, that's good. Like the between between the two of us, because I wasn't really thinking about it until you started talking about it. I I didn't. I only talked about it because they put it there. Oh oh, I see. Yeah, always blame someone else. It's always one. <laughs> Um, okay, I have a note here that says, Jesus, this movie is a mess. Uh, yeah. I think I've covered that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this podcast is a mess, too. Um, I have a note uh, about our kind of American graffiti ending. Um, okay, uh, where is there anything else with this uh, this climax before we get to the ending that you want to talk about? Uh, so they um, just just that they, they knock him into the vortex. He becomes good again, and almost immediately it's just like, oh, my little brother's back. Yeah, hey, and he introduces him to the whole team, and there's never any kind of processing of like, hey, you murdered all of our friends. Uh, <laughs> I know that you're good now, but maybe there could be some sort of atonement. No, nothing. They get on the UFO. They fly away. 
Rip Torn and Chevy Chase and the whole plan to irradiate the kids. Uh, who knows? Also, oh, I guess one other thing I'd mention. There's no comeuppance for them. There's no comeuppance for them. Also, in the process of, like, when Tim is busting the kids out of Area 52, like, at one point, there's guards who are taking the kids to go get irradiated, and then Courtney Cox shows up, mm. and she defeats the guards by uh, blowing with super breath that is rainbow-colored to knock them over, yeah, it turns out she has superpowers too. Oh wow, wild, crazy! Does she's she part of the family? Does she join in the final battle and use her superpowers? No. Yes. Do, oh, does she? Yeah, she blows him into. It looks like he's about to fall out of the vortex, and she blows. Real oh, quick and she blo- okay. Knocks him back in. Oh, okay, never mind. I wasn't paying enough attention she's to the. She's part of the family, the Truman. She's part of the family. We're not. Yeah, you're right. We're not. A, we're not a team here. We're a family, and that's in no way is there anything worrisome about that. Um. <laughs> Yeah, okay, but so, no, we, we they, they fly away in their UFO, no comeuppance for the evil general who wanted to irradiate kids, and then we get, yeah, three months later. Uh, oh, God. Uh, so, uh, you know, Cindy is in a school play doing Rapunzel, and the the young actor is supposed to climb up the, the hair uh, to the tower she's in, can't do it, so she yanks him up really hard, and everyone just laughs at that. Uh, Kate... Kate Mara, Summer Jones, is doing cheerleading stuff, and then we find out that, oh, she's actually the bottom of the pyramid, but, like, there's, like... It's an inverted pyramid. It's an inverted pyramid. She's holding up all of the other cheerleaders with telekinesis. A, the other cheerleaders don't seem at all surprised by the fact that this is possible. B, the cheerleaders were being mean to you at the beginning of the movie. They were calling you a freak and a loser, and now you've joined them? What the hell kind of ending is that? She's cool now. She's assimilated. Yes, I guess that's true. She's she's learned how to conform. And then and then Dylan As we know in life, Truman, as soon as you accept yourself, others accept you. Ah, uh, it's true. That is very true. And then and then and then that mean and then that fully frees you to turn around and start bullying the people who have not yet accepted themselves. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and Dylan then walks up to her and kisses her because they're boyfriend, girlfriend now. Yay, good for them. And oh, and then Spencer Breslin uh, is is playing soccer in a park that is in my neighborhood. I'm all, <laughs> I I recognize the houses and the uh, outline of what seems to be Universal Studios nearby. Um, oh, wow. But so he's playing goalie and inflating different parts of his body to block the ball, and his team wins. And I'm like, pr- pr- pretty pretty sure that's cheating. Pretty sure yeah. that this doesn't my- count. This is my my big ending note for the movie fucking Zoom is they won't let trans people play sports outside of the gender they identify with, but they will let superheroes. I mean, there there's there, I guess there's nothing in the rule book that says a dog can't play soccer. And there's also nothing in the rule book that says that you can't inflate parts of your body to completely obstruct the goal. Dear Lord. Um, and but then they all get paged that there's superhero stuff to go do so they all get on uh, they all run up on a hilltop and get beamed up into the ufo and uh they fly off together i've got three lingering notes yeah uh and they're all vastly different okay great much like the members Um, of this team but because they're a family they all pull together (laughs) usually i i give long-winded prefaces to these things i'm just going to ask this question good and get your reaction. <clears throat> Do it. Instead of Tim Allen, what if this movie starred Woody Harrelson? I 
like it a lot more. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. This is probably my cheers bias coming through, but I feel like Woody Harrelson, as we've seen in Kingpin, and by, I don't mean like we watched it for the show. I just mean we've both watched Kingpin. Yeah. I think that he does a a good job of being a slovenly jerk in a way that does yeah. not seem openly hostile. I, I'm going to make a comment here that is commenting upon the persona in which Tim Allen's characters <laughs> typically assume. Mm-hmm. which is they're all these curmudgeonly just egregiously annoying old men mm-hmm. who can't fit into a society that's changing around him sure uh until the end when he warms to the idea of a coming together of family and mm-hmm. family values mm-hmm. yeah um I'm not going to comment upon Tim Allen, but I'm going to comment on Woody Harrelson and you read between the lines. To your comment, Woody Harrelson feels like someone who is an incredible actor and can play those sleazy characters, as you said, Uh, because he's such a cool dude in real life. The acting can kind of be stripped away by the time he comes back around a la, you know, Zombieland comes to mind where he, you know, like, the acting is the sleazy part, yeah, and he kind of eases into reality and you know the the more normal version of himself. Um, and I' gonna let you read between the lines on that one for mm-hmm. what I think the persona that Tim Allen's characters usually assume. Are. Yes. Cool, cool. Okay, okay, that's good. No, I don't think anyone is gonna. I don't think anybody's going to crack your code there, Landon. Very cool, subtle. Cool. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, here's something for comment and discussion. Yeah. Uh, Tim Allen's proto Ed Hardy shirt he's wearing throughout the whole film. It, again, reminiscent of Crazy on the Outside, a movie that is sort of unclear about how old he's supposed to be the entire time. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's yeah. him him in this kind of tight graphic T-shirt that that kind of accentuates that he's been working out. Is it, yeah, it's. It's not even a graphic t-shirt. It's it's a black t-shirt through the whole movie, and it's just got, like, an oversized, almost offensively ethnic <laughs> uh, design on it. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. specific, but, like, kind of maybe, you know, some Latin American country mm-hmm. influence mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Just a, just a taste a taste of ethnic yeah. flavor, yeah. Enough that you can you can fit some plausible deniability in there. Mm-hmm. There's no rhinestones. There's no like fluorescent colors. <laughs> it, it's uh, so from it's not quite Ed Hardy, but it's it's from Af- uh, Ed Hardy's After Dark collection. It's for the, you know it's the it's the Ed Hardy shirt that you can wear to your father's funeral. You know. So the goatee, the the proto Ed Hardy shirt, and the one thing we didn't address: the elephant in the room, Tim Allen's frosted tips. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it makes up a very hard to swallow package. I, I mean, again, it, much like Crazy on the Outside, it is a role that was really clearly written for a guy in like his 30s and being played by Tim Allen in his 50s, just trying really hard to to make you think that he's in his 30s. Ugh. Um. Okay, I got one more. Yeah, and this is a big one for me. Uh. Just like the X-Men have their their training room, their training, you know, uh, center. I can't remember the name of it offhand. But um, 
they've got their the the kids have their training center. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you could describe what this training consists of. Well, the the train the training room that they're in in so many of these montages, it's just like this chamber where there's millions of paintballs getting shot at them, and there's these two rotating plat circular rotating platforms, concentric circles, one going one direction, one going the other direction. And they have to scramble across these circles rotating in different directions to push a button at the center of the rotating circles to stop the rotation. And now, far be it from me to criticize. Lord knows I've never done that once. No, no. In my life. Hardly. Nor There's no audio record of it. hour and 50 minutes. No, not at all. <laughs> this, A, I don't know what this is teaching them. I'm There's not, nothing I'm to not really sure. work together for. No. And also, it seems like the easiest thing to do. I mean, look, let, let he who is not standing on the rotating platform being shot at by paintballs throw the first stone, but... Okay, I'm it not doesn't saying seem... I wouldn't get hit by a paintball. Of course I would get hit by a paintball. I've been hit by a paintball. I'm not saying I wouldn't trip and fall over on the rotating floor. I fall over all the fucking time. But the thing is, a paintball and a rotating floor have never stopped me from forward momentum, even if it slows me down. I'm gonna get... <laughs> to that red button within 10 seconds, even if I fall down once. I, you know, and also the training that they do in no way is preparing them for what the final fight <laughs> winds up being. I mean, and, and the final fight is a real cupcake match. It's, it is not a big thing, but there's no, <laughs> no, there's no rotating. There's no button pushing. They're not getting stuff thrown at them. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, the, the, a better training would just be each of them taking turns punching a crash test dummy in the face. That's what the final <laughs> fight is like. Um, I didn't write this as a note, but it's on screen right now, and I guess it's the last thing I, I want to comment on, which is, um, you know how in X-Men they build that prison for Magneto? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That all-plastic prison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you talk about this, like, inside the tennis ball sort of prison they make there's there is an isolation chamber that they keep putting dylan in because he's a cool dude who doesn't want to do this so he keeps turning invisible and trying to sneak out of the facility and they have to put him in solitary confinement and it's just like this room made out of these like big white fibrous materials that look very i, I, I don't even know how it's like the inside of a lava lamp if it was frozen in place i don't know <laughs> It it looks cheap as shit. It looks really cheap it, and flimsy, but it's supposed it to be unbreakable. If you were stuck inside the cup portion of Zoom's suit, <laughs> that's what this looks like. I would not. I would not want to be in there. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a weird. Uh, I. I I don't know. That and the inside of the UFO are two things. Where, like this movie had a seventy-five million dollar budget, by the way. But Ugh, the the disgusting the inside of the UFO and this solitary confinement that's supposed to be this big, impressive sci-fi thing. It really just looks like something in a Ripley's Believe It or Not museum, and it really accentuates how bad it looks. <laughs> oh man, I want to do the world justice and watch Sky High now. I, I used to get this out of my brain. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sure. I don't know if it's any better necessarily, but I guess there's nowhere to go. I think but it up. is. I, I think there's a there's a lot of champions of Sky High. Yeah, that came means... out one year before this. It's got Kurt Russell for fuck's sake. Well, over okay. Tim Allen. Oh, and music by Michael Giacchino. Okay, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm on board. I don't know if we're gonna do it for the movie uh, for the no. podcast, but uh, you know, huh? Huh? huh. 
look, only other thing I've got to say about this movie, and then I think we should yeah. stop, uh, is that the uh, I teased this at the beginning, and I gotta I've got to pay it off. The book that it's All based right. on, uh, Amazing Adventures from Zoom's Academy. Uh, we, we've discussed that it's very different from what the uh, what the movie wound up being because the the, the book it seems to be just it, it's all about it's all about Summer Jones the character who's played by Kate Mara in this and it's just about her discovering that she has superpowers and and it turns out that her dad is the headmaster of a space based superhero academy and the whole book seems to be her flying around the galaxy and having adventures and doing stuff and it's just. So yes, that's wildly different from what this movie is. There's no there's no subplot about a superhero team getting murdered or children <laughs> getting irradiated by the government or any of that. But it just the the most galling thing to me is that they took this book about this teen girl Summer Jones going out there and finding herself or whatever and then they were like, "Okay, let's let's take the main character from the book and make her just kind of window dressing, just a side character." whose main arc is that she kisses a cute boy at the end of the movie. Um, it, it just it just hurts a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's 2006 in a nutshell. Yep. Yeah, it really is. No, actually, I think no, I think a I think that a pop punk uh, cover of uh, of of under pressure is 2006 <laughs> in a nutshell. That's that's the nuttiest, shelliest bit. <laughs> Dear God, that that is more depressing than watching the movie itself. No, I don't think it's more depressing than watching the movie itself. I'm not trying to be contrarian right here at the end. I'm just saying, wa- watching the bloopers is the most depressing thing. It's it, it is <laughs> the only thing more depressing than that is the bloopers for the movie. Yeah, I I don't even know what to do with this Truman. If we if we wrap up now. We'll have done an episode in under two hours. Well, hey, then uh, let's uh, let's go, right? Let's uh, you know, let's not waste any more. Let's zoom out out the door on this one. I've got nothing more else to say about Zoom. I don't like what the future looks like for us as far as movies go. Well, I mean, I don't I? I don't know. I don't know that I could do another Tim Allen movie. Listen, we have to do we have to do one more. We have to do... We have to do at least two more. Okay, well, listen. Can we give away the other one that we're going to do? We we have to do at least three more. Okay, I'm just saying... Let's... Okay, let's let's just get it done with. We have to do the Shaggy Dog. And, and, I, and it's important that we're doing the Shaggy Dog because Tim Allen released three movies in 2006. The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, which we've covered. Zoom, which yes. we've covered. And The Shaggy Dog. All of which... Yeah. He he was nominated for a three way Razzie for those movies. I know we've said fuck the Razzies, but also whatever. Yeah, fuck the Razzies. Um, and we have to do Galaxy Quest, which I mean, probably a refreshing palate cleanser to see Tim Allen's shtick being deployed in a movie we actually like. And what I think we'll cover next week, we have to do Wild Hogs. Yeah, man. We got to do wild hogs. We've got to unleash those hogs. 30 and to 50 gonna, barrel I'm gonna, hogs. I'm going to share a bit of trivia with you. Oh, okay. That astonished me. All right. Now, I, I can't speak for the trailer, but I was going to, uh, at the end of this episode, I'll, the moment we're in right this second. Okay. I was going to uh, make a, a gentleman's wager with you <gasps> about how many times in Wild Hogs the song Born to be Wild plays. Oh, 
Is it going to be more or less times than in Wild America? That's that's the other <laughs> part. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, the astonishing thing is it plays zero times. In in Wild Hogs? In Wild Hogs. Now, wow. as I said, I can't speak for the trailer, uh, which I haven't watched in a very long time. But uh, I looked at the, the soundtrack list, and um, there is zero instances of it. Man, man. Well, uh, you should have. Well, then you should have made the bet and watched me guess like fifteen times, and then and then have me be completely wrong on the air, just like all of the grunt, you know, or all of the uh, title guesses or ER game guesses I got wrong over the years. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I wasn't gonna wager you after I knew the answer. I'm not that kind of guy. That's well, that's nice of you. You're a real humanitarian. Um. <sighs> okay. Well, do the humanitarian thing and get us the hell out of here. Okay, next week we'll bring you Wild Hogs. If you enjoyed this show and want to help us create uh, create this content and help us prepare for the next show, which is coming soon, you can do so by becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Uh, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts, but especially on Apple Podcasts because that goes a long way to help new people find our show. And we want that as momentum going into the next show, which is coming soon. Oh, man, it is zooming towards us. Stop by to say hi to us on Instagram at GruntWorkPod or send us an email at GruntWorkPodcast at gmail.com. Nice. We'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, we actually got some new people reaching out to us on Instagram. What? Um, they're just finding the show. Uh, people are starting in season one, Ugh. working their way through. Mortified I... every time you say that. <laughs> <laughs> the further we get away from it, the more surreal it is, which is weird to me. Yeah. Um, or you can stop by our website to listen to this episode, find show notes, or listen to all of our bonus episodes that we've ever done, which, uh, that website is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. And if you go to slash zoom, you can, uh, video chat with us. Um, <laughs> don't know why you'd want to though. <laughs> and not between the uh, hours of 4 PM and 5 PM. That's Truman's time. And until next week, when we bring you finally, Wild hogs. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. No, no. As long as they're home in time for dinner. Hello, may I take your order, please? Now we're a team. We're a family. Exactly what part of him is it? Two. Tucker, put the cow back. Sorry. Superhero.